Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. This is Dan Moore, your host. And today I have a very specific privilege of being able to interview someone that I met in person just about a year ago. She brings so much to the Action Catalyst. The whole purpose of this is to help people ignite their own inspiration, their own insight through some of the things that our guests will share. And Kathleen has so much that she can share. I'm going to give just the, the, quick, the quickest bio. First of all, she is brilliant. She is a Phi Beta Kappa graduate of Purdue University. In fact, she has founded the International Council of Purdue Women, and there's 200,000 alumni worldwide that are inspired by her example. For nearly 30 years, she's had an amazing career in the field of public relations and marketing. She's worked with some of the most recognizable brands in the world and was starting as a senior leader in a, in a very large PR firm, but then she made a big change in her own life and nearly 20 years ago said, no, I don't want to be in the big agency life. I'm about values. And so she started a firm in her own suburban basement, and the whole goal was how can we do world-class work for our clients without sacrificing kindness? Today, she has more than 40 staffers in downtown Chicago that are creating amazing work for their clients all over the world. And those five core values drive it every day. Kindness, creativity, passion, hustle, and integrity. Her firm has won so many awards among the top agencies in the country. But what I think is even more impressive is that it's often named a best place to work, which means that her employees value it and their involvement in that because it's so powerful. Along with everything, she supports many philanthropies uh, from the YWCA to the Joffrey Ballet, Enchanted Backpack, United Way, so many things that she puts her time into. But it's interesting when she talks about her proudest and greatest achievement to date, it's being a mom. She resides in Wheaton, Illinois with her husband, Chris, and they have six children. So Kathleen Sarpy, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Well, thank you very much for that kind of introduction. And I am so happy to be here and talking to you. Well, I think it's great. Well, one thing that we'd love to, to have you share is maybe some of the most significant uh, pivot points, you know, that, that caused you to, to reconfigure your whole life into a, your own firm after being with other firms. And then some of the other things that, um, that kind of moved you in, in those directions. So first career pivots, and then we'll talk about dealing with some of those horrific personal obstacles that you've also dealt with. Yeah, um, I think life is a journey that we clearly all are on. And um, I think we set goals for ourselves that sometimes um, we, we picture this path of success that may necessarily not fit exactly the mold of what we, I guess, pictured it at the start, right? And so I was at a wonderful big PR firm in Chicago, um, was a new mother. Um, and I recognized back about, I guess, 20 years ago or so, because my daughter Emily is 19, that um, as I was a pregnant woman um, in the world of public relation, um, I was realizing my personal values were starting to become a comp my job. Um, so uh, once I gave birth to Emily, um, I realized pretty quickly that this whole working mother thing for me at that place wasn't really jiving with what my personal values were, which were to be a good mother to Emily first. And so um, I started my agency really simply that pivot point was 
I wanted to focus first on being an amazing mom to Emily. I never wanted to regret my time as a mother with her. Um, and at the same time, I did love what I do, did for a living. So being a good PR person was, was certainly important to me. But I, I, I flip-flopped, I think, my my goals, which were first, you know, as Phi Beta graduate of Purdue, I was out go-getter trying to get an awesome job right out of school. But when I became a mother, my path changed. And I, I went down a different fork in the road to be a good mother first. And I've been very fortunate that I've continued to do PR too. I think that's a tremendous way to describe one of the most successful executives and entrepreneurs in the country, mom first. Yeah. PR person second. Which most important job I've ever had is being a mom to now my amazing six kids. Yeah. Well, there's no way that it's not going to be important. And uh, that's delightful yeah. to hear you say that. Uh, I also know along the way, you've hit some enormous roadblocks. Yeah. It's easy to look at somebody who's as successful and influential as you are and feel like they just had a smooth path and everything just moved up and moved up. Would you mind, for all of our sake, just share some of those those totally unexpected, ridiculous things you've had to go through and some of well, the lessons. Yeah. Um, so back to the life journey, um, you know, you, you expect when you get married for it to be forever, at least for me, I did. Um, and, you know, for quite a while, I went through, you know, the growth of my business while growing my family. I had five children biologically um, with my kid's uh, father and then learned that he wasn't the person I thought he was. Um, and went through a pretty devastating and unexpected course. Um, certainly something I did not want, um, but had to do at the time. Um, it was really hard on my children. It was certainly very, very hard on my whole family. And it was hard even on my business because I had to be pulled out to take care of, you know, ensuring my, my kids were okay, right? Um, that was the beginning of a three-year journey I've been going through, actually, where um, a lot of things happened to me that were unexpected. Um, once my divorce was final, um, my, you know, my parents played a huge role in my uh, life, especially helping support me through you know, a very rocky emotional time. Um, so after my divorce was final, uh, my dad died probably three months later. And my dad was in court with me every single day holding my hand. So I lost my best friend in you know, a moment. It was an unexpected passing. And so that left me reeling, obviously, and, and very sad. And my children very sad. Um, but, you know, again, life throws you curveballs, right? I feel like there's a constant, um, you know, just a moment I think I've recognized that change is the one thing that's constant in life, which sounds like an oxymoron, but change is constant. I used to think life was a smooth sail that you were on and a couple bumps would be hit along the way. And now I've recognized there's a lot of, of the hardship that comes along your journey and it's how you anchor yourself that really matters. So, you know, after my father passed away, my mom died 14 weeks to the day later. Um, they'd been married 64 years together, 67 years, and a wonderful example of love and kindness to me. So that was obviously another devastating blow to me and my children after going through the loss of my, my marriage. And then, um, you know, the challenge of, of going through, you know, uh, a, a divorce, you know, um, process, and then going through the loss of my father, and then the loss of my mother. Um, so I noticed there was quite a, a series of events that kept happening to me. And I think a lot of people could say I had every right to curl up in a corner and suck my thumb and stay away from the world. But what I was taught in that three-year period was a, a really strong a sense of resilience, um, of having to get back up, I'm sure. And I've, I've listened and watched your, your, um, your podcast to hear a lot of other leaders talk about this, but the, the resilience is something that I think a leader needs. And um, I didn't realize how badly I was being taught through a lot of different series of events that I needed to 
keep getting back up and dusting myself off. And I was setting an example, not only for my children, but for people that were watching me at my job and my clients and other friends and, and family that had witnessed all the sort of the bad things that were happening. And from that, I think, experience of going through all that loss, I actually feel like I'm a way better person having gone through it. Like I wouldn't change a thing strangely, despite the fact that it was really many times so devastating that I was hardly able to think I could get through it. I learned I was pretty strong and I learned that my children were pretty strong. And I also were through that experience able to trust others to lead in even my business, which gave me an opportunity to um, sort of get to a higher elevation or level here at work, which I think was a gift that came out of that, that time. Right. Well, I read one of the articles that you put together and it said, somebody's mentioned to you, you know, it's not going to rain forever. Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people when they're going through something really hard are really, um, you know, they're distracted by the, by the storm. But it is true. It, you know, it rained here today, uh, this morning here in Chicago, and it's sunny right behind me right now. So that's a perfect analogy for life's challenges. I think you often are going to hit storms in your life, but there's a reason for the rain even. You know, it's to actually create a, an opportunity for growth. You know, and, and a lot of things did grow even in my my series of events. Yes. So for our listeners that are dealing with these uh, incredible roadblocks, the first thing is put some perspective on it. Realize mm-hmm. that, that it won't last forever. There may actually be something that comes of it that has meaning. Mm-hmm. But what are, what are some of the other sort of step-by-steps or things people can do when they don't know where to turn? They're just stuck. Their business is either upside down. Something's gone horribly haywire in their, in their family life. Somebody's had a health crisis. Mm-hmm. Even all the above, um, what, what would you guide? Be, be our teacher here, Kathleen. Well, I think one of the things that I learned right away was to ask for help. And that was probably the hardest lesson. Um, there's a book called The Go-Giver uh, that I love. Um, and someone gave it to me um, you know, during my career. And I read it uh, during this time of loss. And what I read about um, in that book really was the fact that you can do all these other attributes in, of accepting help and connecting people. But in order for the universe to actually work, you can't be always a giver. You have to sometimes receive. And I think I learned in this, this process of, of an upside down life, as you called it, where everything went upside down. My biggest lesson may have been just the ability to say it's okay to receive help. And that comes in the form of someone um, wanting to connect you to someone that might be a new client. It could be that someone says, I'm going to watch your kids for a night. It could be um, someone who says, I want to support a charity you care about because you can't right now financially support that charity. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of goodness that has come out of people witnessing, I guess, my attitude during the, the time of loss and my optimism. Um, you know, I think you can choose to be either bitter about your circumstances or you can choose to be better. And one of the things that I really focused on was how can this even in this situation, how can I become better from it? Um, and that, you know, I think I have a lot of tangible examples of ways I did improve as a human being and as a professional um, through my, um, you know, through my, my trials and challenges. And I, I think we'd all be kidding ourselves if we didn't think that we're all going through tra- trials and challenges every single day, right? So um, if we're being put through something, instead of being angry that it's happening, certainly it's challenging and, and hard but then try to find something in yourself that's refined or better from it. And then it gives either a chance to bless someone else with that lesson or it, it refines you in a way, it gives you more courage or, you know, I have a lot less fear 
than I used to because I, in some ways I lost everything. And yet it made me reliant on a faith that I have in my, in my personal self and my belief um, for me and God. But, but also it gave me an opportunity to witness other people's survival um, because I had quite honestly, I was a, a train wreck. Everyone saw all these different series of things happen and there was no way to hide it. I think being transparent is important as a leader too, because um, certainly I could have easily hidden and just was stoic right through my period of loss or challenge. But I actually really made a conscious decision to not PR myself and actually just be authentic and genuine and transparent. I didn't go into any gory detail per se with people, but I, I didn't hide it. And I think in this world where people are really often relying on social media for a perspective on people's lives or television reality shows, they're seeing an airbrushed version of reality and, and then it gives them a, an ideal they can never achieve. And so I think as an, a, a mother and as a leader, it's really important to show um, my truths as I go through them in some way to potentially help other people when, it, when it's their turn to go through that truth. It's not as scary. And so I've chosen that to be my methodology in my years of, of challenge. And also it has given me a chance to grow as What's consistent with one of your values about integrity? Yeah. So and I, my, yeah, my father was a very high integrity man. I have I had some very very good role models growing up. I believe that you are um, given a lot of people in your life for different reasons. I talk about life kind of being like a garden. If you plant seeds of goodness and kindness wherever you go, both in business and your personal life, it is kind of amazing how the flowers bloom at different times in your life. And I say sometimes they're perennials. You know, they're they're you know going to be there for just a season, and sometimes. Um, you know, uh, or they're actually, excuse me, the opposite perennials, which are going to be there all the time or annuals, which are um, just for one season. You know, it's, it's cool how life works and there are relationships that come into your life that you are blessed with. So um, I have chosen that, you know, living with integrity has been one of those, um, those lessons that my father taught me as a, as a child and kindness. And he was kind and high integrity to everyone he met. And so I witnessed that. So again, as a mother, being my number one job, as well as an employer, and just a, hopefully a human, um, I think it's important to show your values in the way you you live your life, and that includes the good and the bad times. And so, if we're sowing the right seeds, then sometimes they'll bear fruit and come back to us in a way that we can't predict. I, I understand that someone facilitated a, a four day, I guess, personal reconnection of wellness time for you in, in Arizona. Uh, yes, yes, it's very, you, very kind. Taking that time. Yeah, I, uh, I had a client who had been a, a lovely um, client of mine who had been an observer of, I think, some of the this stuff I was going through and re really recognized that I was taking care of everyone else in the whole series of events, but not taking care of myself very much. And they sent me away to a place in Arizona to get some rest and relaxation for a few days. And I, I that was a very transformative time for me um, of just not using my cell phone, not being reachable. My kids were incredibly supportive of me not being on the grid. They let me, you know, they were well cared for while I was away and they let me just relax and, um, and also be able to sort of reflect on what I'd been through and, and start over. And it was such a, a good um, experience. And I could state one other flower in my garden that is kind of a neat story. I had um, through many companies, you know, you lose and get clients depending on budgets or connections or people come and go from companies. And 
I had worked with a client 14 years prior when I was just a single practitioner in my home. I, I built my business from my basement to now be the 40 people um, you referenced in my introduction. So this client had worked with me at a, at a former employer um, and remembered my values of hustle and integrity, reached out on LinkedIn 14 years later and said, you know, I remember working with you when you were in your basement, but I've got a new project for you and I see your agency has grown. I'd love to reconnect. Um, we had just lost another piece of business that was pretty large just due to a merger and acquisition of two companies and you know, the chips didn't fall in our favor. So um, this, this woman remembered me, came into my office, looked around, said, I am 1,000% confident you could do this assignment. And it happened to be bigger than the budget I had just lost 14 <laughs> years later. So I'm a big believer in, in having faith that when you plant seeds and are your true self, people will remember that. Right, right. It's uh, it's inspiring and it's exemplary, the things that you are doing, because you've taken this these events and you've put them into steps, what we call conscious competency that you can pass on to other people. And I thank you for being specific and, and detailed so that these are things we can all practice, which is great. Um, in, in your own career, you've always striven to achieve greatly, um, most importantly as a mom. Um, we know that there's a little voice that gets in our ears that wants us to slow down once in a while, wants to say, you've done enough. We call that character Mr. Mediocrity, sits up here and talks in the ear. So this leads me, this is kind of a buildup to the leading question. What do you regard as the most offensive word in the English language when it comes to people and their professionalism? Complacency. Complacency. Without, without a doubt, complacency, yes. Uh, I think that you have an opportunity to constantly look at your situation, your circumstances, your job, your your physical self and find ways to be better. And um, it's easy to coast if you've you know gotten some level of success in your career. Um, I can tell you one thing about complacency that I really dislike is just the fact that it means you just are good enough. And I don't think there's ever such a thing as good enough. I think you can always look for ways to be better. Um, my team here at my agency, there's such just go-getters, right? They just believe in the, in the value of one of my other values, which is hustle. I think a lot of times we get into these bureaucratic places or jobs where it's easy to hide. It's easy to just do enough and leave. And one of the values that has been important to me is the belief that if we could do as much as we can to serve someone um, or serve a charity in your personal life or serve your children, it's, it's awesome to be able to do that. So sitting back and just letting... The money come in or just letting, you know, you, you look good enough or you've done enough, you've given enough. I, I think that is offensive because we have a, only a certain amount of time here on earth. I, I don't propose you should be a workaholic per se, but I think the, the lesson is that you could always look for something you could do to be more kind or to have um, more transparency or to be more passionate in some way. And so I've tried to um, really you know, just, I guess, impress upon both my team here, but also my children, this sense of, of knowing who you are and trying to find ways to be better at being you, you know, because there is only one you. And I think that's another thing. People always want to be someone else or they're always just looking to try to, I guess, keep up with the Joneses. And through my period of loss and challenge, I realized it doesn't matter if you make a ton of money or you make no money. And I've been very fortunate to be on both ends of that spectrum. And it isn't about that. It is not about the things you have here on earth, really, but it is about people that you impact in some sort of a, a way. And that is something that is I take very, very seriously. 
<laughs> well, again, you have these core values that are so important in your personal yeah. life and then in your business life. And when you have those, then the word complacency, it takes a more specific turn. It's to say, can I afford to be complacent in my integrity? Right. No, Absolutely. can I afford to be complacent in my hustle? How do you hustle a little bit? <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, you have to, it holds you accountable. And I will say that one of the things I speak to a lot of young kids, and I know you do too, um, one of the the lessons I try to tell them is um, find out what makes you you, what your personal values are, and find a job that aligns with your personal values. Don't try to retrofit who you are into a place if your values don't align, because you'll be unhappy. And I didn't learn that lesson about defining my own personal values until I was much older. Um, a mentor of mine, Rich Melman, who's the um, chairman and founder of Let Us Entertain You here in Chicago, an awesome hospitality and restaurant company. Um, I had the good fortune of working with that company for many years. And when I was only nine employees, so I was pretty small then, uh, Rich stopped me before I grew too big and said, hey, make sure you figure out what defines who you are as a leader and then surround yourself with people that share those same values. Because by doing so, you'll have a happier place to work, which is, I think, true. But also, you will have better retention and you'll have an opportunity to work with people that will get you. You know, it's, it won't be so hard to, to lead. And that was probably the best career advice I've ever been given. So now I, I talk to my, my, my kids, you know, friends. I tell, you know, students at Purdue, anywhere I really can, you know, that if you start that exercise much sooner in life, um, you might avoid some challenges with, you know, some heartache in business or in, in your personal life by knowing what your compass is. And for me, those five values as an entrepreneur happen to be my company. But even if you aren't the owner of a company, I think you can still align your values with your employers. It'll make you happier. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, in terms of how you start your day, Kathleen, do you, do you have a morning routine, any self-motivators, any self um encouragement, self-preservation. How, how do you start your day? It's always an interesting subject. Uh, I would say gratitude has been a practice of mine that I have really tried to um, uh, focus on, especially when sometimes you are just grateful you're getting up in the morning, you know, when you're at your hardest um, situation to your happiest. I, I am grateful for so many things, right? So I try to be grateful. That's really important to me. Um, there was a time when I didn't listen to music very much because it was very, um, I guess, connective to the soul and I might not have been as happy as I uh, should have been. Um, and I now, I, I enjoy spending time with music. I obviously, um, I feel like I pray all the time in the sense that I'm constantly talking to God in, in a sense of gratitude and just my day, it's more of a conversation that I'm having with, with him just in my head. But um, really gratitude, prayer, uh, and I would also say uh, a laugh, just sort of laughing at just some of the bizarre hilariousness of my life. I, I live, my husband and I say, I, we live a 1% life, you know, the one best percent happens and often the one worst percent happens. But um, I, I'm, I'm grateful for these big experiences that are teaching me things along, along my journey, for sure. Well, you're willing to be a student. That's why you're learning. It's, yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, I think you should be a sponge like all the time because there's so many people that can teach you if you just if you just listen. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, I wish we could have a whole day talking like this. Um, I do want to I do want to ask one one question that is very specific. Okay. If you encounter somebody that is completely out of resources, either emotionally, mental, financial, uh, they're just 
the phrase out of aces. They don't know where to turn. They're just stuck. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some steps you would advise that person to take to, to get unstuck, to get out of the sense of despair and the hopelessness that sometimes can creep into people? Yeah, well, I mean, I've been there, right? I've dealt with despair for sure. Uh, one is writing down what you hope and wish for your life. I think sometimes it's as simple as writing down your hopes and dreams on paper and setting a vision and a goal for yourself. Um, it, it can be very small, but I, I will give you the example that multiple years ago when I was going through my divorce, I you know, had hoped I'd be able to love again. And I wrote down a long list of qualities in someone that I hoped I'd find someday if, if so lucky. Um, and it's pretty cool because I just got married on Sunday, um, remarried uh, to Chris. and. Um, the cool thing about that is, is every single attribute on that list actually was written down several years ago was in, was in him. So I, I've done this with my job. I've done this with having sort of a vision through my business. But if you write um, something down and look at it, and, and for me, I didn't have to look at it daily per se, but I wrote it down and I had a, a, a true, honest sort of talk with myself about what I wanted for my life. Um, it, it's amazing if you set those sort of intentions out there. It, it appears the universe gives it back to you. And um, it's also important to always have hope. I tell that to people because whether you're a CEO or you're a kid in high school, a lot of times there are going to be situations where you think you can't get out of them. But what I found is, is that even going through certain circumstances, loss of business, loss of friends, winning of business, nothing is permanent. Literally nothing is permanent. And so um, I'm pretty much now more of an in-the-moment person where I try to be incredibly intentional about each day, where I am, what I'm doing, and the exact reason I'm in that circumstance. I do believe there's a higher purpose of why I'm there. So I try to make the most of it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So start by writing down or using pictures or whatever helps to inspire something. Not what you're in, but what you want. Correct. Because if you stay stuck in what you're in, it's just really surrounding yourself with negative energy. But right. if you think about that, where you want to go, it, it does create that mustard seed of hope that there's something bigger out there that you, that, that will help you get to that, that, that um, dream. And sometimes the dream you have for yourself is so much smaller than the dream that's actually meant for you. And that's a big lesson I, I always talk about, which is dream really big. Um, you should be specific in what you want too, because I do believe that if you write it down, you're intentional about it. You are your words, you are your energy. Perhaps that's why I'm such a serial optimist, because if I was a pessimist, I could, again, justifiably so, have a lot of reasons to be angry, bitter, resentful, unhappy, um, injured, because we all go through things. And I happen to go through probably everything that you're supposed to go through from, from truly like my car being stolen to having a sickness to our puppy passing away. I mean, literally, I could go on and on and on about a series of chain of events that were negative happening. But I never lost faith that, that, that there was going to be, a, the sun would come out. And I started to see more and more days where the sun got brighter. And every time there was a bad incident that would occur, I knew that it would be it would get better because I had survived the one before. Now it gives you a sense of, I think, peace and knowing that even when a hiccup occurs in your life and they will always occur, you have to have perspective on the long game, which is that there will be joy too. And you will almost appreciate the joy much more after having gone through the hiccups because you now have this like perspective. My lens really, um, it's a, it was a lens shift for me, a paradigm shift, truly. Um, and it, it's your choice to do that. 
that is a phenomenal thought. And I know you and I share the conviction that we're not going to be tested without also be given the ability to meet up to the test. And that yeah. if we just wanted to see that, then eventually we can get back into motion and some things can move us where we want to be. True. Kathleen, this has been wonderful and so encouraging and so grateful that you would spare part of your honeymoon week <laughs> at <laughs> the office, but with us and sharing yeah. that with, with people in the Action Catalyst. We are grateful for who you are, for how you are, and for the many ways that you make us a better world. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was really, really great to talk to you again. Thanks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.